Hi, you're about to get smarter in just a few minutes with Curiosity Daily from Curiosity.com. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you'll learn about how dogs can be moody teenagers, too. Then, researchers Elizabeth Sawchuk and Mary Prendergast will talk about the lessons we've learned from amazing new discoveries of extinct human species, along with some new questions they've raised about why our species is the only kind of human around today. Let's satisfy some curiosity. Here's a word of warning for dog people. A new study has found that, just like human children, your dog will go through a period of frustrating defiance with the onset of puberty. That's right. Puppies become moody teenagers, too. To come to this conclusion, British researchers studied the behavior of more than 400 guide dogs in training, who had all been trained in the same way. The breeds included labs, golden retrievers, and crossbreeds of the two. The team first tested the dog's obedience at five and eight months old. For each test, the dog's caretaker and a stranger would tell the pooch to sit. Sure enough, the puppies were more likely to dawdle or disobey at eight months than at five months. Well, actually, they only disobeyed their caretaker. Their responsiveness to the stranger actually improved. Teenagers, am I right? The same was true when they asked the humans to rate how easy the dogs were to train. Caregivers' scores for their dogs dropped in the lead-up to adolescence, but strangers reported an improvement. Researchers also found that dogs who displayed an insecure attachment style by clinging to their caretakers were also more disobedient to their quote-unquote parents during the teenage phase. Experienced dog owners may not be surprised, but this is the first scientific evidence we have of these teen wolf behavioral changes. Fortunately, we also ended up with this equally important result. At the end of puberty, around 12 months of age, the dogs stopped being snotty teenagers. They were good dogs once again. And that's important. Puberty can be a vulnerable time for people and pups alike. Humans are more likely to develop mental health problems or engage in risky behaviors during their teen years. Discovering dogs' similarities means we can use them to study puberty and learn more about ourselves. But it helps the dogs, too. A dog's teenage phase is often when they land in a shelter, since it's when their owners realize they're not a cute puppy anymore and their behavior may seem like it's too much to deal with. Parents know that puberty is just a phase that teens go through. Knowing it's the same for dogs will help keep them in their homes. So if you live with a teenager, human or canine, keep in mind, this too shall pass. Although, feel free to go see a trainer if they just won't stop listening to Nirvana. We Homo sapiens are the only human species around today, but that wasn't always the case. Over the last 20 years, the pace of archaeological discovery has gotten faster than ever, and scientists are finding more and more evidence of other human species, some of whom even lived, mated, and procreated with our ancient ancestors. These discoveries are changing a lot about what we know about human history, so we got in touch with a couple researchers to learn more. Elizabeth Sawchuk is a postdoctoral researcher and research assistant professor of anthropology at Stony Brook University in New York. And Mary Prendergast is a professor of anthropology and chair of humanities at St. Louis University's Madrid campus. Here's Elizabeth on the explosion of research into human origins. 
There's been some amazing discoveries in Africa, uh, particularly in the past 10 years, uh, that have really added a few new members to the hominin family tree, which is really exciting. We can see amazing discoveries come out of, for example, the Rising Star excavations in South Africa, learning about new species like Homo nilidi and Australopithecus sediba. Um, and we're also learning a lot about species in other parts of the world. So through ancient DNA in the past 10 years, we've really learned a lot about this species that was very closely related to humans called the Denisovans that lived in Siberia. We've learned a whole lot more about Neanderthals and there's been some crazy discoveries in the past uh, few years as well. Things like the hobbits uh, who live in southeastern Asia around Indonesia and other species as well that are kind of making us realize that the fact that Homo sapiens is the only hominin species currently on the planet was that's a rare thing. We had many more individuals to interact with in the past. And then I think the other kind of shocker, um, particularly for my students when they hear about it, is that now using ancient DNA, we can tell that, in fact, humans were not very discriminatory about uh, some of their relationships with these other species of hominins. Uh, we interbred with them a whole bunch during the last ice ages. And in fact, we still carry some of their genes with us today. Yes, I feel like I'm constantly updating my slides because I teach this stuff to my students. And when I was in graduate school, the model was, you know, Homo sapiens originates in Africa and then spreads out from the continent to conquer the world, leaving no other humans left. And while the first part of that story is still true, that Homo sapiens does originate in Africa and does spread out from there to the rest of the world, along the way, we encountered many other members of our species. And I think it's really interesting to imagine what that may have been like, um, because we do live in a strange world where we are the only species left. Is there a leading theory of, of why we won out and why everyone else died off? Um, it's definitely controversial. Um, I think the area where this has been best examined is in Europe where there's uh, Arguably, depending on which radiocarbon date models you look at, there is a period of coexistence between Homo sapiens and Neanderthals, and that period could be longer or shorter, depending on um, which dating model you're using. Um, Neanderthals may have had quite low population uh, sizes, and actually that's a finding that's been supported by ancient DNA analysis too. Um, and so it may simply be a case of outnumbering. Um, to my knowledge, there's not really compelling evidence to suggest that there were violent encounters um, where, you know, Homo sapiens overpowered Neanderthals. And then Neanderthals also, I think, are much more sort of um, calorie expensive, um, energetically expensive. And so another hypothesis is that um, we were just sort of mean, mean uh, machines and we were extremely efficient um, in terms of, um, you know, our, our metabolic um, energy, and, and that sort of helped us outpopulate the Neanderthals. Elizabeth, do you know any other current theories? <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, there's a lot of discussion that I saw on the issues potentially of climate change. Towards the end of the ice ages, everybody was getting pretty walloped all around the world, different hominin species, um, and it was it affected different species in different ways. But these old narratives of humans just being inherently smarter, faster, better, stronger, and our genes being stronger as well, are starting to uh, kind of crumble because we're starting to realize now that these old models we had about humans dispersing from Africa with uh, superior technology and that technology really being part of that dispersal, we're starting to see 
more variable culture going further back. We're starting to understand our own complex origins in Africa that are earlier than where we thought and probably aren't just in one place. And we're starting to understand that there is a whole bunch of chance and luck also involved. And so these narratives about humans kind of out competing, out surviving and outlasting to borrow from Survivor there uh, are not really coming to the forefront anymore. We're starting to realize that it's, it's probably somewhat of a bit of a happy accident that we ended up being the ones to stick around. And it also, I think, makes us think about how lucky we are to inherit this planet and now what we're doing to it and thinking about the future of our survival. We'll put links to learn more from Elizabeth Sodchuk and Mary Prendergast in today's show notes. And stay subscribed to Curiosity Daily to hear from them one more time next Tuesday, when they'll wrap up our interview series by helping you understand how these discoveries have changed what we know about ourselves. All right, well, let's recap what we learned today. Well, dogs can be like moody teenagers when they're going through puberty. Don't worry, though. They'll be good again after about 12 months. Probably. And new research is showing us that our species, Homo sapiens, lived alongside Neanderthals and lots of other human species, even mating and breeding with each other. I guess that's why those genetic testing kits sometimes tell you that you're like X percent Neanderthal, right? Yeah. I mean, there are a few Neanderthal genes that they figured out the function of, which we will run a story on soon. Ooh, stay tuned. And we also learned that researchers aren't sure why Homo sapiens outlasted the other species. But one theory is that it was just a numbers game, as in there were more Homo sapiens than other species. Reminds me of the constantly buzzing cicadas outside my house. We're about to run a story on that, too. What are we not running a story on, Ashley? Nirvana? (laughs) Probably Nirvana, yes. Okay, good. I love how you suggested that today's teenagers are listening to Nirvana. (laughs) Like... (laughs) Today's teenagers are listening to bands that you and I don't even know the names of. They're probably not even bands. They're probably like computer algorithms. I mean, let's be real. They're all listening to BTS. I love BTS. Do you? I'm in a K-pop cover band. Oh, that's right. I mean, I was until the lockdown. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, you know. Wow, I didn't know that. All right, cool. I'll have to tune in. Today's first story was written by Steffi Drucker and edited by Ashley Hamer, who's the managing editor for Curiosity Daily. Today's episode was produced and edited by Cody Goff. Join us again tomorrow to learn something new in just a few minutes. And until then, stay curious.